Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we are going to have a mini water cooler episode and uh, talk about what we've been up to at the virtual water cooler. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film Senior News Editor Jacob Hall. Hey, Ben. Hello, hello. What if my old catchphrase used to be when I was on this show more regularly? Yeah, man, it's been so long. I've almost almost forgotten. But uh, Jacob, the new Slash film is launched. It looks great. Uh, there are uh, you know tweaks being made at all times, and uh, you know it seems like we had a pretty smooth transition. I'm sure that's a load off of your shoulders. I know you've been working really hard on that. Are you thrilled with with uh, the progress so far? I'm thrilled with the relaunch. I mean, like I said, there are other changes are being made. We've actually heard some feedback from people that we are going to be incorporating into the posts uh, into the a homepage and the post as well. So, you know, there, there are still changes to come. It's going to be an ever-evolving thing. But I'm sure, as people have noticed, it actually loads really fast now. Yeah. And the, the the infinite scroll means that you can, you have to limit yourself to ten posts at a time. And um, I, all I'll say is that um, the the numbers suggest that more people are lingering on Slash Film now than they were on the old design. And I think this new design, you know, makes that possible. Let people actually, you know, go from story to story a lot more a, with a lot more ease. Yeah, it's very cool. Very slick. Uh, all right, so let's get into what we've been doing. Jacob, what have you been doing recently? Uh, ben, I bought a new TV. 
Ooh. So how often do you buy TVs, Jacob? Is this a, a special occasion? Is this like a once a year thing? What, what's the deal with oh, you? Once a year, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, as discussed when I was last on the show, my wife and I were very fortunate enough to clear off her credit card debt. And we actually had a big chunk of money left over um, from uh, a refinancing of our home. We put most of it in the savings and we said, we're never going to, let's just, buy a new tv we a little spend, splurge going on we spend enough time in front of this damn tv <laughs> that we should have a nice tv and we started saying what level of nice tv do we want do you want to like um get one that's gonna be pretty good or one that's gonna like be top of the line and just for, for first long time of our lives buy the, the, the best tv in the market so ben in, in addition to a really nice sound bar which uh which which, we, which the old sound bar was falling apart this new one's great we bought literally the nicest tv on the market we could nice. find we bought the uh new lg oled and um uh with, with a 4k blu-ray disc ben i will say this i've never seen a better looking image in my house it is it's legitimately i'm legitimately an overnight snob about it i'm legitimately like oh my uh, oled for life i can't yeah. imagine even rewatching like streaming sitcoms on netflix so like ooh, the blacks the black yeah like, the black yeah, yeah. the black was a new girl i didn't know it was, it was shot with such nuance no but really the first movie we watched with a new soundbar and tv was uh the 4k disc for john wick uh three and oh man it, it's literally impossible to go back <laughs> to non-oled tvs i feel like other than now i walked into someone else's house i go oh the skin tones on your tv <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had a very similar experience a couple years ago when I bought my first TV in, I think it was 10 years. And uh, just the jump in quality is really, um, I mean, like almost indescribable. And uh, yeah, I think I got the LG C8, if I'm remembering the model correctly. I'm not sure what it's sort of, uh, you know, evolved up to now. But um, but man, that sounds really nice, Jacob. Uh, l- let me ask you a quick question about the soundbar. If you, I don't know if you have like the specs or anything in front of you, if you know the model of soundbar that you have, but just like soundbars in general, the um, the room that I have my TV in is sort of a cavernous living room. It has like super high, uh, what do they call it? Like vaulted ceilings. And um, there's a little bit of an echo in the room just from like this speaker coming out of my TV. And I don't have any other speakers. I have like no sound system whatsoever. Um, I don't have surround sound or subwoofers, any of that stuff. Um, what is the... Uh, what are the acoustics like in the room where you have your TV set up? And then what do you think about the soundbar that you have? I also am using the uh, LG SP8YA. And it is, um, so, so far, I'm very happy with it. It has a subwoofer. And it, its whole thing is it has speakers that point forward and up. So that <laughs> was the whole set thing. Like, the, the sales was going on. Look at these speakers that go up. Um and so far, I'm happy with it. Our room is very, very long. Our ceilings aren't especially high, but our room is our, our living room leads into our kitchen without a break. Um, but so far, I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with uh, how it fills the room. But I also feel like you know, you should do you should do your homework. I, I know that um, there are some soundbars out there that have detachable speakers. Like you literally snap off the sides of them and you, you move them around that around your room to create surround sound. Huh. Interesting. Uh, which, which we almost bought, but we decided to save a couple hundred bucks and get the one that that mostly get the job done in the same way for us out there break offing bits um in case you're curious uh the lg g1 is our new tv it's the one that's like super super thin and um yeah mine is really thin as well i was shot i'm like uh you know transporting it across the country from la to florida in the move was like my uh my biggest source of um of like anxiety and stress the whole time because we we wrapped it in stuff and like put it in a big box and had foam pads and everything but still it's so thin it just feels like 
even taking it out of the box, it feels like I could snap it any second. I'm sure this yours is the same way. Yeah, we we, we hired a handyman to come over and, and mount it for us. It's one of those TVs where it's it's such an act of snobbery that the TV comes with its own wall mount, but not a stand. So like like the TV expects you to mount it. So. Oh wow. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, yes, uh, man, I'm I'm excited uh, on your behalf because I know what a, a um, you know an entertainment game changing game changing type of experience that can be an upgrade like that. So that's that's really cool. Uh, let's. We have not been reading anything. Let's get into what we've been watching. Jake, what have you been watching? Watching. Well, I, I have been oh. reading. I've been reading the oh. doc. I've been reading uh, uh, the Snakehead by Patrick Braden Keefe, uh, an author I've mentioned a few times on the show. The author of uh, the book Say Nothing, which I talked about with you last time on, on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, Empire of Pain, his book about the Sackler dynasty and how they started the opioid crisis. And this is his second book from, uh, I think, 2009. And it's a, a true crime novel about a, a Chinese immigrant, this Chinese mother, who starts a human trafficking business, not human smuggling. Uh, sorry, I'm not human trafficking, uh, human smuggling, which is where you um, people pay you of their own volition to be smuggled into, into, into places. Oh, interesting. And, uh, okay. As opposed to human trafficking, which is people against their will. And and the first, the first part of the book is like Goodfellas, like she's working out Chinatown in the '80s, and she's helping immigrants. She's making lots of money, and everybody's happy. In the '90s is where she joins forces with a psychotic criminal who says, "What about boats instead of planes uh, for, for 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 smuggling people?" And things go so disastrously wrong, like back half of Goodfellas style, mm. that I'm finding it just like absolutely riveting. So. Uh, Probably not as rich of a book as Say Nothing, his book about the troubles in Ireland, uh, but it absolutely reads like an amazing HBO miniseries. Awesome. And I think they actually, we, we were just talking about this in Slack. I think, I want to say it's, um, I don't remember what company. It's it's one of the smaller production companies is either adapting it into a movie or a TV show. I don't recall the details, but I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the trailer, which we just wrote up on, on Slashhome.com not too long ago. So if people want to check out the uh, sort of visual accompaniment to the snakehead. You can do that uh, in the show notes. Um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think the, the, the movie is directly based in the book. I think it's like it's based on the same people who were involved for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, I, I remember the, the press release didn't mention Patrick Radden Keefe's name at all. Oh, I mean, interesting. But, but, but I'm thinking you, it's, it's, it's had the same title as his book. So yeah. <laughs> clearly there, somebody on the production probably read it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. So what have you been watching recently, Jacob? Uh, I saw the new Candyman movie, the Nia DaCosta one. Uh, have you talked about this in the show yet, Ben? We have not. I think you're the first person to mention it. I think. Oh. Me? Yeah, I, I believe that's correct. Uh, it is a very interesting movie. I wish I liked it more, but it's definitely the kind of horror movie that has really grand ambitions. It has a real... It has, a, it has stuff on its mind. I mean, famously, the first Candyman movie from 1992, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, you know, it's a film uh, about a, a ghost named Candyman who's summoned when you say his name five times in a mirror and he haunts the Cabrini Green projects of Chicago and he is a, a ghost of a of a, a slave who was tortured to death in the 1890s for having an affair with a white woman and it's it wears his politics on its sleeve it's very much about you know racial injustice in America uh, but it's, it's also directed by a white man and is about it's from the white POV whereas the new film is you know, produced by Jordan Peele, directed by Nia DaCosta, who's a black woman, and stars almost entirely black characters. And it's about trying to reinvent and uh, retell that story f- from that proper POV. And it's a, a real mixed bag because there's some really interesting things going on here. Uh, Nia DaCosta is a really skilled visual filmmaker. There's, her her shot composition is beautiful. There's a real sense of tension and dread in all of her horror scenes. And... Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who's the lead here, uh, is really 
giving it his all as this guy is this, is this artist who's now living in the now thoroughly gentrified Cabrini Green neighborhood and essentially digging into the neighborhood's traumatic past for to give him inspiration for his art and he uncovers you know an urban legend that starts to destroy his life hmm. which is all such an incredible way to take what Candyman did in the 90s and sort of reinvent it and especially this is a sequel I'll say as much you don't need to see the first Candyman but it's, it's a direct sequel to the first movie uh, explicitly a sequel um, but I also am not so sure the social notes hit as hard as something like Jordan Peele's Get Out does because uh, the first film Candyman is very much a slasher he's a villain he's a guy who, who kills innocent people to make sure he's remembered to make sure that his legend lives on whereas there's an attempt here to um, I'm going to walk into some fire here, possibly. Uh, the suggestion being that uh, all murdered black men have the capacity to become Candyman, uh, which suggests that in the movies, in the, in, the sub, in, the, in the context of this franchise, all black men who are murdered have the possibility to become slasher killers in the afterlife. Hmm. And and the movie goes to some goes to some places uh, that feel very powerful and relevant. But also, it never really escapes the fact that Candyman is a horror movie villain, and they're trying to equate him with with, with, social, with modern social justice, mm-hmm. which is a really big swing, and people are having, are having very divergent reactions to it. And as much as I enjoyed Candyman as a horror movie, I'm not so sure the, sh- the social stuff hits quite as powerfully or as meaningfully as I think Nia DaCosta wants it to. But at the same time, I'm very, very glad this movie exists. I'm glad they're able to tell this message and, and explore that message in the, in the way that they're able to. I just need somebody smarter than me to maybe tell me why I'm wrong or why I'm right because <laughs> I feel very unqualified to, to thoroughly unpack the movie's racial politics because um, it's a doozy. I'll say that much. Okay. Well, yeah, certainly sounds like a big swing. And uh, would you recommend it, Jacob? I mean, I, I like uh, clearly with some reservations, but um, but do you think this is something that just like horror fans should seek out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're a Candyman fan or if you're just a fan of adventurous horror, you should absolutely see it. And if you're curious about Nia DaCosta, I know everybody's talking because she's directing the Captain Marvel sequel. And this is a case of Marvel, like with Chloe Zhao, uh, just grabbing somebody who's about to blow up, I think, before they can ask her too much. So I'm very, very curious to see what a Marvel movie from her looks like because uh, there's definitely a real attention to like absolute dread in her filmmaking here that I don't know how you see that. And you go, oh, Captain Marvel. But I'm very curious to see what that happens next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think her first movie, um, which HC has talked about several times, is called Little Woods. It's streaming on Hulu right now. It's been in my queue for like two or three years at this point. I just have not had it. Had, I've not made the time to seek it out yet. But um, that is there if, if anybody is interested in doing uh, more of a, a Nia DaCosta exploration, a cinematic exploration. Um, what else are, have you been watching, Jacob? Uh, I've been watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ben, have you have you seen Are You Afraid of the Dark? I want to say we talked about this the last time that you were on the show. Oh, we were talking we about sort of the Canadian, uh, then the we Canadian did. elements you know what, of it. Then yes, nothing else has changed. I'm still watching <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is uh, the great 90s horror show on, on Paramount Plus uh, for kids. Uh, so I won't I won't dwell on it. I'm still watching it. I'm still, I still think it's a hoot. And I still think that for every episode, that's... that's surprisingly chilling there's one that's so outlandishly awful um but in ways that in, in, in ways to feel ambitious like there's I, I don't think i've ever seen a lazy are you afraid of the dark yeah i can say that pretty safely i'm deep enough into season two now yeah still watching it still enjoying it probably should be enjoying 
better things on my new television. But <laughs> 90s Canadian Nickelodeon seems to be getting the job done sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, the 4 by 3 aspect ratio really holds up on your TV there. Um, I don't remember if I asked you this last time. Have you seen the new Are You Afraid of the Dark? The one from like 2018, 2019? No, I know that um, Ben David Grabinski, who's a really... Uh, who's, who's a good writer and a really fun Twitter presence for people who like really who like really want to know how the film industry functions. Uh, he's he's involved in it, so I I, I like to see it at some point because I feel like he seems like a guy with good instincts. But um, no, I have not. And also in a weird way, it bothers me that the, it, sorry I just talked to, I just said nice things about the people making it, but part of me is nervous because it's about the the, the kids who tell the scary stories encounter a real scary story as opposed to kids telling scary stories mm, like mm. sharing them and part of the appeal of the, of the show for me is the anthology format where it's about kids who love horror and kids who are sharing scary stories around campfire and little you know bits and pieces where they, it cuts away from the story to kids around campfire to have reactions to the story and it's always been like a fun way a, a fun way to have it structured so i get the appeal to make it a full-fledged horror thing with kids you know it style you know uh yeah. fighting monsters but probably just kind of wishes it was still kids around campfire yeah I, I totally understand that i remember when that show um premiered a couple years ago i think they put the entire first episode on youtube and i wrote it up for first slash film and i i watched it then and w- i found myself like oh like this is actually pretty good for something that i just consider i almost like wrote it off as just like oh it's like some kids show but it actually um w- it was pretty well constructed so um yeah i would recommend maybe after you finish your run of the OG version to uh, to at least dip your toe in and see what you think about the new one. Um, and then you've also been watching or, or re-watching something? Yeah. Um, the very first show I watched in, in the pandemic, um, the very first show I, I, I watched front to back when we were in lockdown was uh, the Fox sitcom series, New Girl. And the, the pandemic's been gone for, for long enough that I decided to start peg. I decided to re, start rewatching New Girl. <laughs> That's so. really depressing, Jacob. I mean, not that you're, not that. Uh, I mean, there, yeah, there are actually several depressing things about that. I mean, you just said you there are other things to, that you should be watching on your TV. Uh, the fact that you've already gone back around to this show when there's so much else out there. I guess must speak pretty highly to the comfort food factor. Of this for you, yeah. New Girl is is there's a real friends quality to it in, in terms of um, I know certain aspects of friends haven't aged well, I know, but the best of friends felt like, Oh, I'm chilling out consequence free with a bunch of people who I, whose company I enjoy on the television. Mm-hmm. And new girl has that real, that, that real hangout vibe. It, it's a, just a really comforting show to enjoy and to watch. And um, I think that all the show's leads are spectacular. They're, they're so funny and they're so charming and they're, and there's, there's, there's a real goofball energy of the show that even when it's at its weakest, um, at say certain stretches of season three, season uh, five and six, the Megan Fox episode, whatever, whatever season those were, ugh, um, I think that there is just something really good natured about it. Good, some, simultaneously good natured without being uh, cloying. Uh, it's just honest enough, I think, and that's why New Girl uh, rings true for me. I'm very curious to see how Happy Endings holds up because my wife and I just started a rewatch of that, and that was kind of like the similar era of those Fox slash ABC comedies, like in that in that sort of zone. And those shows both had a little bit more bite to them, I think, than something like Parks and Rec, which is like more um, you know a little bit more syrupy, I would say. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, if Happy Endings holds up. I, I literally like we just watched the pilot and and have not gotten that any further into the rewatch. But um, yeah, I'm glad that that new girl uh, holds up. You know, holds enough of a place of uh, 
of stature for you that um, that it's worth revisiting so soon after you went through the whole thing already. Yeah, and I, I will say this much: um, the the high def stream on Netflix is actually actually looks really good in a four K TV. Like, it, <laughs> like I ended up watching another episode at, at someone at my in laws' house, and we popped in there for a, a visit a little while back, and. The skin tones and the shadows are all off, man. You gotta watch. You gotta watch New Girl on an OLED to see how you appreciate just how carefully lit that apartment set is. Uh, real quick, before we move on from this, what do you guys do in terms of um, like doling out uh, episodes in terms of rewatching or watching stuff like that? Like, what's the balance for you right now between Are You Afraid of the Dark and New Girl? Is it like one episode per night? Do you like watch a couple of one show one night and then like how, how do you guys break it up? Oh, uh, Our Fire of the Dark is uh, Drunk Nights and New Girl is Sober Nights. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Easy delineation there. Good stuff. Uh, okay. So um, a couple of things that I, I mean, I, I just did one of these episodes yesterday. So I talked a lot about what I've been watching, but there are two more things that I watched recently that I did not mention. Uh, one of which is I May Destroy You, which is the show that came out uh, in 2020 on HBO. Uh, Michaela Cole created, I think, wrote, directed a lot of the episodes or co-directed anyway, and stars in the show. And uh, man, this show is just um, like a, a powerhouse uh, piece of television. Have you seen I May Destroy You, Jacob? Uh, I have not seen it. It's one of those shows that, oh, you can hear my dogs destroying the background <laughs> audio. Uh, but one Big of those shows that, Cole fans, your dogs. Yeah, for sure. I remember the show was everybody talked about it on social media constantly but like in the real world i heard like no buzz so i one of those things where i wasn't sure if this was something that was like widely liked or for something that like a handful of people liked and i just it was so far off my radar that i just didn't watch it now i i feel like i may have made a mistake there well it's it's nominated for several emmy emmys not that that really means all that much all the time uh but it won you know a handful of baftas and and a peabody award and a bunch of uh awards and stuff and it is it is a show that um you kind of think you know what the show is after its first episode which like basically the the through line of the show is about michaela cole's character who gets sexually assaulted in the first episode and it's about she gets drugged and and assaulted and it, it she's sort of realizes slowly what happened to her and the course of the season is sort of her like coming to terms with that and and um remembering little pieces and and slivers and you kind of you know from that description you could probably imagine an arc of uh an entire season of television based on that but the show is so much more interesting and complex than that not not that that topic is not interesting but um it is treated in such a a human way um that i don't think i've ever really seen before and it's not only the way that the michaela cole the the central character of the show is treated but that the show in its 12 episodes has time uh to sort of spread out its scope a little bit expand things and sort of get into the lives of her friend group, these people who sort of form this clo- closed knit, you know, tight community around her for protection in this, in this moment of vulnerability and need that she has in the, in the wake of this terrible thing that's happened to her. But the show, yeah, like just, it, it really um, surprised me in the way that uh, in how deep it was willing to go into these characters' lives and flesh them out in a three dimensional way. It's a show that feels um like authentic and uh, deeply, deeply personal, but authentic in a way that uh, that I have not seen in a in a show like this in, in a very long time. So I would definitely recommend it. It is a bit of a tough watch. Um, I mean, 
if the phrase trigger warning was ever applicable to anything, I think this would be the show. Um, and I'm sure it's not going to be for everybody because of that. But, um, but man, it is just a, uh, yeah, kind of an astounding piece of television. There's, there's some, um, episodes in here that really, uh, like put, put me back on my heels in terms of like, wow, the lead characters that I've been following here, are kind of acting like pieces of shit in this episode. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure I agree with what they're doing here. It's a really challenging show in that way. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would definitely recommend it, um, even though it's it's a bit of a tough watch at times. So that's I May Destroy You. It's streaming on HBO Max right now. And then the only other thing that I wanted to mention is a film called The Grand Master that I watched this morning, actually. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. It is written and directed by Wong Kar Wai, and it stars... Uh, uh, Tony Leung and several other people. Um, I think it's uh, Shang Ji is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's been in a ton of stuff, Memoirs of a Geisha. And uh, I think she was in like Rush Hour 2 and Crouch of Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You would know her if you saw her, if you don't immediately recognize that name. Uh, and I may have butchered the pronunciation. So I apologize for that if that's the case. But uh, Jacob, have you seen The Grandmaster? Do you know this movie? You know, Ben, I remember when the Grandmaster came out and the reaction to Grandmaster at the time I could have sworn was mixed to lukewarm. And now years later, it's suddenly a masterpiece. So I think I remember the same arc I, because I didn't watch it because of that. I think I, think I, I remember a lot of people, uh, yeah, just sort of being like shrugging their shoulders at it a little bit. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I don't have any urgency to watch this. Um, so I, I guess that means you didn't get around to watching it. No, I have not. But now, but now everybody's been watching it before Shang-Chi. And now it's like, he's on the last guy to see the Grandmaster now. I mean, Tony Leung is just so amazing in this. He plays Ip Man, who, you know, I, I've talked before about the Ip Man movies on this podcast. Uh, and it's just really interesting to see his version versus Donnie Yen's version. Um, you know, the the type of uh, decisions they make as that character, even though, you know, some of the same, uh, the same sort of, broad general things kind of sort of happen in it. But um, I was most surprised by, you know, Wong Kar Wai has a rep- reputation for being this filmmaker who is like so uh, excellent at capturing feelings of longing and lust on screen, right? Like in the mood for love and, and um, you know, Chungking Express. I mean, it just like the entire list of his filmography, I feel like is, is sort of littered with examples of that. And this movie has that, but it also has some really, really cool martial arts action scenes in it, which I was not expecting from him. Um, there's, there are two. One in, in the very beginning of the movie, the opening scene is this really cool slow motion stylistic scene where uh, Tony Leung just like faces down, you know, 50 guys or something in the pouring rain and he's wearing a fedora the whole time and it's all in slow-mo. And uh, just the the staging of that um, is really... Uh, kind of breathtaking it's it's really a beautifully captured scene and then also in the middle of the movie there is a fight sequence between the the romantic leads in the movie that is just so sexually charged uh even though you don't see anything and the the movie does not um you know it's it's a very chaste film but uh the the sexual tension is just dripping off of this fight in a way that i have not seen in, in quite some time and um it's almost worth watching just for those two scenes alone, but there's, there are several other like worthwhile action scenes and, and um, sort of romantic moments in, in the film as well. But uh, yeah, grand, the grand master, I think uh, when I finished watching on Netflix this morning, it said September 26th is going to be the last day that it's streaming on Netflix. So 
there's a, a potential ticking clock for you, Jacob. If if uh, you know you're looking for an excuse to finally watch this movie uh, easily on Netflix, there's the there's the excuse for you. So that is the Grandmaster. Um, all right, what I, I guess I'll have to have to find the time. Uh, can, can, I, can I share with you my um, my watching plans? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so my wife's uh, sister lives in Hawaii. Her husband is stationed on a military base there. And he's being sent away for a month of training for a special for a special task, and like my wife did in, in the past, when her sister is alone with her child, my wife will fly out for Hawaii for three to four weeks. You know, she's vaccinated, she travels safely. They don't go doing touristy stuff. You know, it's, it's all there to just to help her take care of the house and the family. So don't send me emails about you know being responsible. But <laughs> I decided that while she is out of town. I'm going to watch all the stuff. I'd be embarrassed to watch with her in the house. Um, <laughs> so my goal is, um, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was sitting in the shower the other day, and I was thinking, man, I, I used to really like Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Um, and I realized, oh, there's that sequel show, Dragon Ball Super. It takes place right afterward, but it was made like two years ago. But I said, I'm going to watch all 140 episodes of Dragon Ball Super <laughs> while my wife is God. in Hawaii. Jacob. So wow. I'm, I'm going to catch up on the my dumb anime childhood characters uh <laughs> so that's where i am ben i mean i would recommend maybe just throwing the grandmaster in before you start that 140 episode journey but that's just me you do oh, you jacob <laughs> you're you're recommending one martial arts series but does i'm gonna watch martial arts series has aliens and fireballs in addition to punching <laughs> so, yeah um, i will say i will have to come back on the show uh post dragon ball super binge Yes, I'm, I'm very curious to see what that experience is like for you. Uh, certainly solitary is going to be one word to describe it. <laughs> uh, all right, so then uh, the last thing that we're going to talk about today is something that you've been playing recently. Yeah, about two years ago, I started playing a game called Control. I think I mentioned it on this podcast even. And then I, I didn't fall off playing it, but they announced a, that it will be coming the next-gen consoles, the, the PlayStation 5 and beyond. And I said, Maybe I'll wait and finish it then, and I'm, I did. So I, I sold my Xbox One copy, and I have it for PlayStation 5, the, the version they sort of remastered and up for PlayStation 5. And uh, occasionally in the previous version, the combat can slow down, like get really low frame rates during heavy action scenes, and it doesn't anymore because PS5. It has um, perfect 60 frames per second action and, and excitement. <laughs> action and excitement. What a way to describe <laughs> gameplay. Um, but it, it, uh, it looks great, uh, and... It, the world of this game is so amazing. Uh, ben, have, have you, do you know about the world of Control? I don't know anything about Control, no. All right. Control is essentially, it's going to sound generic at first, but it's about, the, it's about the government agency that controls all the weird stuff. Like, so if X-Files had its own massive division. Okay. And their headquarters is in New York City, in a building that's much, much, much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Because uh, inside it has massive quarries full of alien rocks, and infinite hallways, and massive... So far prison. you're kind of describing men in black, almost. Almost, yeah. No aliens, though, more paranormal dimensional things. But it's, it's like, you'll... You play a, a, a woman who's looking for her missing brother, who, who thinks she's being held captive here. And you, and you walk in, and it's, essentially it's this big, brutalist architecture building, very government, very bureaucratic. Everybody has... There, there, are, there are hundreds of memos scattered around you can read. Like, uh, there are um, people work in offices and cubicles. And, but it, you'll find like memos saying stuff like, hey, the building shifted again. I can't find the Northwest Floor bathroom. Does anybody know where it is? You know, it's just very, very casual, <laughs> bureaucratic. We work in a government agency, but we're also in an in, in in impossible interdimensional building mm-hmm. dealing with items that 
shouldn't exist. Like, um, uh, like just like there's like all kinds of altered items, as they're called, items that have been touched by other dimensions. So, like a a a rubber duck that teleports around the room and, and can communicate <laughs> with you, or a a hotel that nobody knows where it is, but all they know is that it is a link between spaces. So, various times in the game, you um you will enter a room where it says, "Hey, this this room connected to the oceanfront hotel." Uh, pull this light switch three times. If you pull three times, you're in the hotel. And you solve a puzzle in the hotel room. And suddenly, you're in where, where you need to be because this is interdimensional hotel somewhere that just connects places. And like, it's very, very casual. It's just, it's just sort of like hmm. it's something, it's something almost Twin Peaksy about it. About how uh, it's not like strange and oh my god, there's a monster. It's strange and oh yeah, um, something really, really bad happened. But um, we, but there's a lot of paperwork about it, and it's, it's locked away. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, huh. uh, but of course, there's stuff to worry about because in the, in the plot of the game. Um, an interdimensional force has invaded has invaded the the building. It's in lockdown. It's up to you to save the day. It's up to you to rally with all the people who work there. Get a bunch of cool guns and superpowers. Essentially, it's, it's the kind of thing where um, uh, you learn of an altered device, an altered item called a, it's, it's a floppy disk. You find a memo saying this floppy disk um, tends to fling itself at people uh, and generally just cause cause a ruckus. And if you find the floppy disk and you interact with it it gives you power to throw things with your mind. So it's, it's kind of game where you gain powers by touching a floppy disk that, that, that has, that has inexplicably gained the, the ability to um, move objects with by itself. Uh, wow. Okay. Or, well, this sounds like a, a game that would take quite a long time to sort of sift through all of the details. It sounds super detailed. Yeah, it is. Um, the, the main plot of like, you know, gotta destroy these invading forces, find where my brother is, is pretty standard, but the world building is so outstanding. Uh, so if you have I've gone for a long time in control. No one's going to hear about talk about control anymore for two year old game. <laughs> but if you have a PlayStation Five, or even, um, it's the PS Five version is outstanding. It looks great. I love how I love how the combat feels. I love I love how how you can you, it's a combination of utilizing a a a essentially a sci fi gun, but also you know levitation and and um and throwing things with your mind and mind controlling enemies. It's it, 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 the combat feels really really good. Uh, in addition to the world and story, the world and the storytelling being absolutely top notch. I mean, if you if you ever want to uh, shoot your way through a David Lynch inspired sci fi bureaucratic uh, nightmare, that's what Control is. Well, that sounds like a pretty good recommendation. So hopefully, people will will uh, check that out if they're interested. Uh, that is Control on the PS Five right now, and I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. This podcast is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.